This morning we chanted the Adita Pariyaya Sutta, Fire Sermon. We recite these these teachings not just out of a uh, devotional intention, not just as an expression of, of uh, appreciation or faith in the Triple Gem, but as practical sets of teachings. Recite the Dhammachaka Pavatana Sutta, turning of the wheel, describing the middle way, Four Noble Truths, the Anatalakana Sutta, describing the, the five khandhas and the Reflections on anicca, impermanence, uncertainty, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, anatta, not self, and the fire sermon, Aditta Pariyaya Sutta, the discourse on explaining things using the imagery of fire, the example of fire. Well, these three sets of teachings they work together in different ways of describing the same essential process, different ways of slicing <coughs> different ways of slicing the pie, if you like. In the fire sermon, the Buddha takes the theme of the six senses. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, the mind sense. Uses that as the framework for investigation, for contemplation. The six senses. And how every aspect of the senses, whichever one, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, In their every aspect, the eye, its objects, eye consciousness, the contact arising from the meeting of the eye and its object and consciousness, pasa, and the feeling arising from that contact. All these different intricate dimensions of the seeing process or hearing, tasting, smelling, touching. Every aspect of the whole process is on fire. They use this imagery of burning because, uh, as the story goes, he was talking to a, a large group, a thousand former fire-worshipping ascetics who'd become his disciples. Oh, fire was their medium. It's what they had used as their central image of uh, spiritual practice. The development of austerities, enduring pain, and the challenges of spiritual discipline are taken to be <coughs> building up what is called tapas, or heat, 
a kind of spiritual strength. So the purpose of doing ascetic practices was to develop tapas. An ascetic is called a tapasin. So the Buddha took that imagery of fire and heat being some kind of indication of spiritual virtue and he turned the imagery completely around. Rather than fire and heat being a a symbol of spiritual development and paramita, spiritual strength, he turned the imagery around, said the eye, visual objects, eye consciousness, eye contact, feelings of pleasure, pain, neutral feelings, dependent on the eye. These are all burning. Burning with raga, passion, dosa, aversion, moha, delusion. Ragagina, dosagina, mohagina. Burning with the fire of passion, rage, raga, dosa, aversion, moha, delusion. And rather than that burning, that fire, that heat being something that's worthy or valuable, desirable, the Buddha uses it in this teaching to indicate the states of agitation, alienation, insecurity, dukkha. It goes through this fine analysis of all the senses in all their aspects. Ear, sounds, ear consciousness, sense contact arising from those three coming together, feelings of pleasure and pain, neutral feeling, based on the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. He goes through the fine detail of all the sensory field of experience, Every aspect of it. Every <coughs> everywhere you touch it, like a red hot iron ball. Everywhere you touch it, it's hot, it's burning. Everything is burning. The whole experiential field is burning. Is hot. Everywhere you touch the red hot iron ball, it's hot. It burns. So using this imagery of fire and heat in a, uh, in a way to symbolize a spiritual problem rather than spiritual benefit. Then he outlines the, the, the solution to that problem. Ewang Pasang, seeing thus, This whole teaching hinges around that simple, compact, insightful process. Seeing thus, recognizing that this is the truth of it. The ow, this burns, it's hot. It's a lesson I frequently learn from my wood-burning stove, that I get very fond of in the wintertime. Ow, I forgot that was hot. It burns. 
Seeing thus, the wise noble disciple becomes dispassionate towards the eye, visual forms, eye consciousness, eye contact, feelings of pleasure, pain, neutral feeling arising from that contact. The heart becomes cool, nibindati. There's a cooling down. Seeing that the whole thing is hot, burning, then the heart inclines towards dispassion. Seeing thus, knowing thus, recognizing that the whole experiential field is hot, burning. There's no thing that can be permanently pleasurable, that won't and disappoint. Most beautiful music, most delightful music is a source of suffering when somebody plays it badly, or when the speaker is distorted, or when the music's over. It's not playing anymore. Beautiful flavors. If, it's, if there's hunger and it's a flavor that delights us, when it hits the tongue, oh, wow, delicious. But if that's the only flavor for the next 20 mouthfuls, the mind gets bored, switches off. Oh, more of this. Whew. Why didn't I take something else? This is getting really boring. So we use the meditation to explore the experiential field, to look at those areas where the mind tries to find something to own. This memory, this personality trait, this skill, this is what I am, this is me. I have this status. So many reigns as a, a monk or a nun. Or worldly accomplishments. Got this much money. This is my address. These are my degrees. The books I've published. Places I've been. Here's my fascinating life story. We use the meditation to explore those areas where the mind tries to find a thing to own, a thing to be, a thing to have. To look, to explore. All the cherished identities, even the cherished problems, you know, the unforgivable wrongs that we have done. This, uh, incurable illnesses or Unfixable weaknesses, unrequitable losses. Gurdjieff once said, uh, you can take away anything from people except for their suffering. They'll hang on to that until death. Sometimes the things that we hang on to try to make me and mine more intensely than anything else is the wrongs we have done, the faults, the failures, the losses even more precious than our credentials, our achievements, our possessions. Whether it's painful or pleasant, neutral, 
that is near or far, coarse or fine, gross or subtle. We use the meditation to explore the whole experiential field, to examine, is it hot? Is this ownable? Is this truly me and mine? Is this something that can be kept or owned? To explore and to to see if the Buddha was right. And he says, Sabang Bikkave Aditang, everything is burning. Is was he right? Is it true? Is that the fact? Is everything hot with Raga, Dosa and Moha? Is there one or two things that really are capable of being owned? What we really are? The, the real me, the true I? Is there? That we explore. I was considering reading the biography of Lumpur Cha. Was there any material object that Lumpur ever expressed any kind of interest in or attachment to? Any kind of identification with? Any aspect of the material world that he he cherished or made his own? I was pondering this, thinking through his life story. and Well, that was his mother's funeral. He put a lot of effort into that, but then built this papier-mâché mountain with his mother in the center. But then, yeah. but then she was cremated, that was burnt. And he built the temple, the Upositor Hall at Wat Papong, right on the space, the space, the place where she was cremated. But did he relate to that hall with a sense of pride? Yeah, look at my Upositor Hall, isn't it amazing? Look what I've done. No, there was none of that. He went, went there for ceremonies, but made nothing of it while it was there. The road to Tamsangpet, that the great building project of this road up the mountain, put together with countless hours of, of dust and sweat and effort. Did he make that a special place? Did he put up a, a big sign saying, you know, look what I did? Or did he establish his most uh, wise, enlightened disciple at the top of the hill that uh, there's a sort of special prize, you're my my favored offspring, so you get to be at the at the end of my special road? No. Just became another of the branch monasteries. He did like sticky rice. When uh, Ajahn Pasano told the story of how one day he was traveling with Lumpur and uh, it used to be the standard that you would only take a ball of sticky rice that was big as your, your two hands put together in a, in a circle. And uh, Lumpur said, I haven't got the strength these days. I used to be able to pack it really tight. You know, if you work at it, you can get about 30% more rice in your ball. But yeah, my fingers just aren't strong enough to pack it tight enough.
even then he's he's making a playful comment, friendly, playful comment to another monk. I mean, look at Lumpur Cha as an example. There was no thing in the experiential field, not even his own physical comfort, that he was interested in in cherishing or owning, claiming possession of. The heart embodied that that quality of anadanan, non-possessiveness, free of owning, akinchanam, no-thingness. So we use the practice to explore where the, the heat is in our experiential field and wherever it's hot, let go. Ewang Pasang, seeing thus, recognizing, how? This part of my story, this quality, this achievement, this problem, this illness, this role, ow, it's hot. Seeing thus, the heart inclines towards nibintati, becomes cool. Cool towards the eye, visual objects, eye consciousness, eye contact, feelings of pleasure, pain, neutral feelings based on that contact. The heart becomes cool to the whole experiential field. There's no thing that can be owned, no person to be, no thing to get, no thing to lose. What could be owned in the first place? Who is there to own it? It's just the patterns of nature doing their thing, known by nature itself. The Dhamma that is this very mind, this very awareness, knowing its own arisings, permutations, dissolvings. The Dhamma aware of its own nature. It's not a person. The object is not a person, the subject is not a person. The heart that knows this body, this mind, this world is not an I, not an individual. That which knows the person is not a person. Let the coolness of that be recognized. The simplicity, naturalness. Nothing to get, nothing to get away from, nothing to lose, nowhere to go. When we talk about the characteristics of Dhamma, Sanditiko, Akaliko, Ehipasiko, apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, it's describing exactly this quality of insight, this quality of fullness of heart, completeness. Nothing to get, nothing to get rid of, no place to go, no place to not go. Apparent here and now, 
timeless. Encouraging investigation. The more this quality is explored, the more the truth of its own nature can be realized. And the more that quality of wholeness, fulfillment, Punna Dhamma, the quality of wholeness, that can be realized. <laughs>